just because it's been that way doesn't mean it has to be that way. And there's so many experiences I think in life where where that happens, where it's just like, well, that's how it is. And I think that was the big thing for me as I questioned myself and said, I don't think it has to be like this. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here is your host, Chantal Nash, Digital Learning and Engagement Manager from the team at Crotonville, GE's Global Learning Institute. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast. I am really, really excited today for the guest that we have for you. His name is Doug Dietz, and he is the principal design thinker at GE Healthcare. He did a TED Talk in 2012 on designing with a purpose, and it really centers around the concept of humanizing diagnostic imaging. And the story, if you haven't heard it, uh, has inspired me, even in the the type of role I have in connecting what GE does for the world. So Doug himself has six utility patents and over 16 design patents. He's been at GE Healthcare for almost 30 years. And so we're going to talk to him a little bit today about the Adventure Series, which was what the TED Talk centered around, and then extend some of these concepts into how we can all use this type of thinking in our in our lives. So welcome to the podcast, Doug. We're really happy to have you. Oh, it's great to it's it's great to be here and I'm humbled that you've asked me to be part of this. Oh, absolutely. I know you have a ton of fans. I know that there's gonna be a lot of people who are eager to hear more about about some of this story. So um, it's our pleasure. Now before we jump into that, tell us a little bit more just about you. Sure. Um, for me, as far as just my in, in my design career, you know, I, I look back and, and thought about it. I've, I've had kind of two main jobs. I worked at Texas Instruments as part of the TI corporate innovation team and then also here uh, at GE with healthcare. And when I look back, I'm thinking about, OK, what why didn't I bounce around a little bit more or whatever? And mm-hmm. I think when I think about just kind of my career a little bit or, or think about telling people about that is, is really, I think it's about, it's a little bit about falling in love with who you design for. Mm. And I know that doesn't sound very business-like at all, but I think, especially at TI, I worked a lot with educational toys and kind of things for, for kids there, which I think was really um, a powerful thing. I worked a little bit on some of the business things as well, but just, you know, spending time with parents and kids and seeing how we could, make play and education and, and that mix together was was really challenging that kept me there and but I was just always dying to get into healthcare. And I think now that what's kept me here for yeah, almost thirty years when you said that I was like, whoa, that's a long time. <laughs> um, you know, it's just that you know, that's just kept me here um that long is really that kind of fall in love with who you design for, whether it's thinking about your grandma or your grandpa or your wife or kids or whatever. It's just that how can you move some things forward to make healthcare a better place? But yeah, I'm married with, with three kids, live here in Wisconsin, um, love Wisconsin. So that's kind of cool. That's where the headquarters for, for healthcare is. So where did you start when you did join GE? What were you doing when you first started? Good question. So when I started, we had a really small uh, global design group uh, when I joined healthcare. And I think the first project that I worked on, I worked a little bit in x-ray first, so working on some x-ray. Um, so we have an x-ray chest stand that you 
that you use for, for x-ray I used on that. And then um, back then we used to kind of rotate through what we call the modalities. So those are the business groups that we work through to get a real cross-functional um, knowledge of all the different businesses. And then we could help to bring kind of a more of a horizontal approach to the businesses. So back then and even now, we have these very powerful vertical businesses. So whether it's the MRI, CT, X-ray, nuke med, ultrasound, we have these, these, these verticals. But our customers, for sure, see it a little bit more horizontal. So they might be thinking about oncology or cardiology or mm -hmm. something. So they bounce through, you know, across all the different modalities versus going down. So one thing that was really cool about back then and now is with, with global design, where we, when we, when we work with all those different modalities, we can be a bit of that thread that goes through those vertical businesses and says, say, Hey, you know, the workflow or whatever with a customer, this is kind of how they see it. So x-ray is doing this. What if we did this in CT? So I think even though we're a small group, um, that's what we did. So the first one I did was x-ray and then I moved on. And I think I've worked in all the different businesses uh, through my, my 30 years, oh, yeah. um, which has been really exciting. Met some great people. Yeah. So if we fast forward a little bit then, um, specific to the MR scanner that you are working on designing. At a high level, what was the process supposed to be like for that? So is it um, just conceptualizing how it'll work or, or what what kind of is all encompassed in your role in that? Great question. So my background is in industrial design, so product design. Within my role within that team was to work on the enclosure design, so all the enclosures that go around the system and the table, as well as the, the coils, so there's surface coils that go with it, and the controls and display. So it's a little bit like the design of your car. So the outside, what it looks like, um, the usability of the inside with the dashboard, where the controls are like, and then... Um, bringing the um, the design to life in whether it's sketches or or CAD, you know, bringing it up on the computer. So the team, whether it's marketing, engineering, everything can can rally around the design, but then also then that moves the design forward. So uh, my role on the team back then it was really interesting because the MR that I was working on at the time we called wide open. And the reason that for that was the bore that you go into. And if any listeners have been either in a CT gantry or an MRI gantry, it's kind of like a brick with a hole in it. Mm. <laughs> and it has this tunnel. And the tunnel was was kind of small. And the flare of how it goes in, there's a lot of perception that people come in when they when they look at that. And it's pretty scary for adults, for everybody. So really that particular program we called Wide Open, we were really trying to do our best to make the, the body coil so the, the bore that you go through as big as we could, and then also the entryway to that the kind of flaring of the, we call it the end bell that, that flares in to do that. So we had made a whole bunch of different models, and we brought people in to see if we could um, influence just that so it could be a little bit better. So that was the project that I was working on. What led you to the adventure series and focusing on the kids that get MRIs? Yeah, I think so. Um, with the wide open, with that particular uh, product design, um, at the time I was, we were thinking, we were thinking as a team, and I was thinking as a designer, pretty much of just adults coming through and the adult scanner. And part of the design process at the end, uh, at the beginning, we spend a lot of time with the technologists that that help people to go through and set up the scanner for them and all that. So getting our kind of doing a little bit of that due diligence at the beginning of understanding the 
the folks that use our equipment. So I, we had done that. And then usually then at the back end of a design, once it gets installed, we go back and see how, how things are going. Um, just, you know, check in with them, you know, for all the, the things that we've done, um, we can kind of check on that. Right. So it just happened that the first, one of the first scanners that we had, the clinical that it was in, so kind of the, the first one that was, was installed happened to be in a pediatric hospital. And that's kind of where the experience, that's where Adventure Series for sure started. And it was an Adventure Series. It was just going to the hospital um, just to, to kind of see my baby, I guess I'd say, the, you know, my, my design that I had done. And, and I was very proud of it. I think I'd worked on it for about two years mm-hmm. for sure um, through all of those, those things I talked about earlier. And it just happened that a family was coming in with a little girl that was going to go through the scanner. And just through her eyes, I was able to see the scanner and the whole radiology experience in a, in a totally different way. And it was pretty shocking, to be honest with you, um, just to see the parents struggle with doing their best to, to coax their, their daughter into to take, to taking a scan. And you could see that they, one of the options is that you can sedate your child and then they, they put them under and then they can mm. hold still when they go through the scan. But the parents did not want right. to sedate their child, understandably so. And I just went from going there to kind of pat myself on the back for the design that we as a team had done to understanding we actually probably missed the big picture. So when you think of human-centered design, we were a little bit myopic looking at the actual product itself, and we missed the whole radiology experience. And I think a lot of times we say, well, we're, we're GE, we just do the product and maybe the software that runs it, and that's our job, and that's what we do. And I think as a designer, when I went in there, I said, I know that we don't, you know, the, the technologist that works in the hospital, and the hospital itself is in GE, but there's no way we can stop by just doing the design. We need to see, if, can we craft, can we create an environment that is so much more welcoming for the family and making it different. There's just because it's been that way doesn't mean it has to be that way. And there's so many experiences I think in life where, where that happens, where it's just like, well, that's how it is. And mm-hmm. I think that was the big thing for me is I questioned myself and said, I don't think it has to be like this. And what could we do? So that's where we, it kind of took me away from looking specifically at the product design and looking at the experience design. And what kind of things we could do to help these struggling families get through the healthcare, and especially when it was radiology. Right. Yeah. That it's it, that was a really powerful part of hearing your story for the first time. For me, is is realizing when somebody else is realizing that you know maybe what we were solving for it, that may have been you know something very very much worth focusing on, but at the same time, there's a couple of other goals here that that haven't been addressed at all. Um, and I felt hearing that from the person designing it, that's so powerful, you know, for you to have made that realization and to not just to have done that, but then to say, I'm going to change this because you have the power to change it rather than just sort of focusing on literally your job as, you know, designing what you needed to design, focusing on the, the experience part of it then. So that that's been really powerful. What was that journey like from the moment that you realized you wanted to improve the experience to then creating the new one? So what were maybe some of the inspirations? Um, and, and of course, 
you can describe as part of this probably what what it actually is today so people get an idea sure um yeah i think and i remember kind of the plane ride home after that experience and just feeling like i had failed at my job mm. so i think my personal job description and actually probably what ge my job description with the ge was the wrong one and that i was i took on a personal responsibility of seeing how could I come back and rally a team around making this experience better. And it was kind of a struggle because I think, first of all, in pediatrics specifically, I think there's 250 dedicated pediatric hospitals in North America. So a lot of times when I came back and I was working with either it was the modality team or a marketing team, they just were like, there's only 250 dedicated pediatric hospitals. I like, there's 250, you know, I'm like super excited. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. think of all the families are going through and they're, and they're like calming me down. You can see their hands coming out and going, settle down, Doug, settle down. <laughs> no, you're on the wrong side of the decimal point. This business is way too small, you know, and then that's where I think I had to, to rally uh, a team and people around that just more for the cause. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think the, one of the, the key tenants in this particular project was so I if I had to count the number of times people just said no we're not going to do that you can't do that it was just really I don't have enough I don't have enough fingers what but so, so I, what was their reason if I could ask like did they what was the resistance there were quite a few things I think one that I mentioned before is that you know are we going to make money on this so it was all around the financial mm. component and it was less around um human values. It was a little bit more around financial values. Which and I is, totally understand that. But yeah, but it's also interesting because I think, um, you know, once you get to the impact of what, what you guys ended up creating, I, you're in, you are able to do more patients as a result of, of the new design, right? Oh my gosh, the financial benefits have have flown in, you know, have, have, have come in and, and some of the other benefits also that you maybe can't measure when we talk about this is just what does the GE and the GE healthcare brand, what kind of, how does that show up in the hospital? How does that show up in the eyes of the community that, that that hospital serves? That's priceless. And that's some of the things that we didn't intend to happen. We just, I think I know for myself, I totally stayed almost like myopically focused on those patients and families. I just so desperately wanted to help them get through some of these speed bumps that they were they were seeing because you could see in their eyes, um, Chantal, when they were looking at each other and you could see that they were just they weren't sure how to get their child through this situation. Mm -hmm. You could just see that look in their in their face and they didn't you know, they were looking at technologists and technologists has sedate, don't sedate. You know, there was just like this, you know, and and that's where I said, I don't know the answer, but there's something here where we can we can change this. And I knew it was around, I think at the beginning, we just called it patient experience. What is the patient experience? Right. And then it, then it turned into the way that it just ended up um, working. And then I think you asked the, the question earlier, but I think um, the partners you asked about, so what did you do when you first got back? And I think along with that kind of realization that um, I, I didn't do a very good job when I redefined what design meant, it wasn't just the thing, it wasn't just the shiny object is the partners I pulled together to, to help me do a better job um, with that. So I know we worked here in Milwaukee. We worked with the Betty Brin Children's Museum. I can remember working with their staff, um, 
awesome staff. And then of course they're, they're doing displays and, and different things in the children's museum. And, you know, they're thinking about things like, um, the experience and the educational component and is it safe and just all those really neat things. And then they also really brought to me the fact of understanding the, um, stages of child development in that there's some things that you can, can do at certain stages that, um, that actually going to help them for sure get through the experience. But there's also some things that you can do that um, may not be a good thing to do. And I know um, at the time there was um, actually one of our competitors had a, a smaller scanner, almost like a toy scanner. Um, and then they had like a, you could almost like put a doll on the table and you could go through. Mm. And that was kind of a, a neat way, I think, that of thinking about how to bring this is the experience. This is kind of what's going to happen. But at certain developments, mental stages, especially the ones that we were, were thinking about, how can we really impact these kids? They can't scale that up. So they can go through that and they, they, they have fun with a little toy. But when they, they walk into the room and see the, the big scanner, it's yeah. almost more scary right. where we as adults, we can scale. OK, this is a small version of the big thing and, and understand it. But for some developmental stages, they can't. So working with the, the, the folks at the, the museum that, and their educational folks was really beneficial to our team, especially to me. And then working with a child life specialist. So these are the folks that are at the hospital that their job is to help families get through certain situations. So that could be prepping for surgery or different, you know, different things that they could, they, they're, they're going through. And one of those is radiology just because there's so many, you know, it's a big piece of equipment that's looking inside them and there's some strange things in radiology. And so there's um, child life specialists that, that help the families, especially the kids, to get through this experience. And looking at some of their tools that they had, um, they were so limited. Um, they just, they were doing the best they could, but they just didn't, they just didn't have the tools that could make a huge difference. But they were, they were great at what they did and, 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 and really gave us some, powerful empathy and understanding what the families were, were going through because that's their life every day. Um, and then just, I think our first uh, brainstorming, it was kind of crazy around it was we actually had our first brainstorming session at a daycare. So mm. I found a local daycare and I got together a cross-functional team of folks and we came and we just spread out on the floor and you could imagine we're sketching and there's like little kids with us and of different ages of just, and talking through that. And I remember making little bag lunches for everybody that was Aww. there. And then we put little, we put little notes in there. So these are for our participants. And the little notes were like notes from your mom, you know, Aww. don't pick your nose and, <laughs> and you know, and, and you know, just, just funny stuff. And of course everybody opens it up and giggles and it brought them back to probably when they were in elementary school or whatever. Yeah. But even just getting the spirit of ideation or the spirit of, of brainstorming and flaring out together and thinking about probably pushing past those incremental change ideas that, you know, I heard somebody say this once and I loved it is the first job is, or the first idea is just doing its job. And I think a lot of times we just, there's an obvious one. There's this first one, it's kind of incremental change, but it's change. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think what, what we wanted to do in this space of kind of the patient experiences, we need, that is not acceptable. We need to push past that way past that into what we call super flaring and the ideas out. And I think part of that super flare was even just setting up the environment for our team to see it different. This isn't a conference room in GE somewhere with everybody with their laptops up. No, they're crisscross applesauce sitting in a daycare center with a little bag lunch there and sketching on the floor with kids is what, what can we do with this experience for you? 
Yeah. I really like the different um, environments that you mentioned kind of inspired this because I think it does show how, you know, a lot of people could think of this as a very pragmatic, technical sort of thing. And even when you start to think about the experience, it can be hard to think like, oh, well, what could I learn from a museum? But the fact that there's some, you know, a museum probably knows nothing about the technical design of, you know, an MR scanner, but yet you're able to take a lot of that to then create something um, new. I guess, you know, going to your point of the first idea is just doing its job, but then after that, you can expand it so much. And this even goes into, and we'll we'll talk about this a little more later, but this even goes into how we interact just with each other in our daily lives and you and the ideas we have, but also what else could we get from other people. So, um, so after you did all these things, you got this input, how did this start then manifesting into something different? What, what did you end up doing? Um, it was a struggle. Um, so I went to most of the modality leads at the time in the businesses and just saying, Hey, I need some resources. This is kind of, you know, we're thinking of this hero's journey is how do we make this, take this family and especially the child that's going through this and turn them into a hero and, and create this journey. Mm. And we had some sketches and some things that we had thought about the ideas and I just couldn't, you know, they were, they were thinking that everybody's so busy and this was just not on their radar. And I just couldn't get it on the radar no matter how hard I tried. So I actually took a bit of a risk, um, and said, you know what? I'm going to just go out and talk to a couple of pediatric hospitals and just see if there's any, if there's anybody that's interested. Mm. And then it just happened in doing that. There was a, a, a large pediatric um, hospital, UPMC in Pittsburgh, so the Children's Hospital uh, in Pittsburgh, UPMC, and they had some GE equipment, and they were struggling with a few things. So they would, had a team that was coming in to uh, visit our headquarters in, in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. And so I think they had like a dozen folks that were coming in. So, uh, and luckily, Kathleen Capson, who's the director of pediatric radiology, said, um, do you have anybody that's working on patient experience? Well, the team they're talking to, they're not talking to me yet, goes, um, I, there's that one crazy dude that keeps talking about it down <laughs> in, in global design. So I can still remember this, Chantel. It was so funny. So they, they called me up and they said, we have this very prestigious group coming in from UPMC and we've got the, you know, the fancy conference room with beef tips, lunch and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and we want you to put a, a PowerPoint deck together and then here's your template. And we want you to wear a suit and you've got, I forget, it was like eight minutes or something. Wow. And to be honest with you, I just said, um, first of all, I was going, I don't know if I have a suit. Um, <laughs> I'm a designer. Um, but anyway, I was just like, I was just like, um, you know, if they're talking about patient experience, I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't think that's quite the right thing to do. Right. Um, so anyway, they, they, they were kind of like, I think they were wiping their brown. Whew. We don't have, you know, this, this, we don't have to worry about this dude. So they called back to UPMC and said, you know, well, he's unavailable. I don't know if he's traveling or something. You know, they made some excuse. Yeah. But anyway, I think UPMC said, well, then we're not coming. Wow. So the so this team said, oh, crap. So anyway, they called me back and said, all right, you don't have to wear a suit and you don't have to do a PowerPoint. I said, why don't we do this? Why don't you have your meetings in the morning? So they're, they're, they're giving them the PowerPoints and then um, – they're going to go off to lunch. And I said, just give me the room and then you bring them back in. So you can imagine this. Now, this is a GE conference room. And I think <laughs> if most of the people here, even if they're not at GE, that are the big business this is a typical conference room. Yeah. So they left to go to lunch. 
I got some of the designers. We took the whole huge conference room table out. We took all of the chairs out. So it was an empty conference room. And we made foam core, so white cardboard mock-ups. And there was a huge couch. And there was a big end table with a lamp on it. I think we even had like a little cardboard dog underneath the, the things. Um, <laughs> we had a big end table chair. Then I brought in those small chairs that the kindergartners have. So they're like half size. Uh-huh. So now when the customer comes, these customers, and I think there was a dozen of them, came back into the room. They felt like they were five years old. Everything in the room was scaled up. And they didn't know you so were going to do this, right? They didn't even they know. They had no idea. And so the GE <laughs> people had this horror on their face. And then on this big end table, so you can admit this is a big, you know, it's just cardboard, white yeah. cardboard. And then I had a building block, like a kid's building block, but it was large. It was probably like three feet by three feet. And it has, of course, six sides on it. And I just had images, so I had only six images. And then I would just have the building block so it's on the chair, so it's up about eye height for the the folks as they're sitting on their little small chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just rotated the block around and showed them six images that I wanted them to see in telling the story of the impact we could make on the kids that come through your facility. So that's how it started was with – and then that customer – so this isn't with our business yet. This is with our customer. Right. Kathleen just said, we're doing it. We'll help fund it, whatever. So actually the first, I think, was seven rooms that we put in at UPMC in Pittsburgh were funded by the customer. There was no GE money used at all on that. So when you think of design thinking and you think of the whole process, this was a great prototype, or you can can call it whatever you want, a pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we call it MVP, so minimally viable product, whatever you want. So it was really to get it in the real environment to learn more, um, to do these prototypes. And then that was just awesome. So we just did it for cost um, where they, they, you know, we did that. And then we did um, some of the, you know, we did the jungle adventure and we have the pirate adventure and we have their three MRs were um, space station. That was, which is awesome. And then, and then I think we did cozy camp. So we had some, and we can discuss any ones you want, but really to the, the core of that idea though, the, how we got started was, we got that in front of the customer in a very different way. And I do remember he's not no longer with GE, so I, and I won't mention his name, but he, he was the fellow that had to follow our patient experience that, that the meeting that I had after lunch, he had his PowerPoint deck, you know, and he's going to be talking about <laughs> his tech. So anyway, he called me up and he goes, I will never ever follow you again because they, because <laughs> you know, he's got awesome stuff. He's right. got great stuff, you know, yeah. where he's showing, signal the noise and he's showing this, but they kept asking questions about patient experience. Yeah. So I was long gone. I wasn't even in the room anymore, but they kept asking him <laughs> questions about, oh, gosh, you know, what guy. had gone before, but yeah, the poor guy for sure. Neat guy. But anyway, but that tells us something it, Yeah, that if you hit the heartstrings and you hit, because they're not thinking about the product anymore. In fact, they're not even thinking about their hospital anymore. They're thinking about, these kids in their community and really focusing on what they really want to focus on. And then our ability to provide them with the equipment and the workflow and the service of this equipment, all this awesome stuff that, that does what they really need to do. This is that kind of umbrella around the experience that they're that kind of human centered design experience that their folks are going through in their hospital. And whether they think that thought of it or not at the time, people are going to drive across state lines to go to their facility to have this experience that's different. 
For and sure. it's more yeah. rich and everything. And that's actually what happened. I don't think they thought about that. But luckily, that was um, kind of the that. So that's the story. I don't tell it very often. So that's the story of kind of the one of the initial um, meetings for adventure series. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great. I'm glad I asked that question because, um, yeah, that's that's a really neat part of that story. How you got people to the yes, basically. Uh, so back up just a little bit then, and so what what was it that you pitched? Tell us how how you did end up um, suggesting that this experience be different. I mean, and you, if you want to give any of those examples or a few of them, just in terms of what is different visually, what is different in, in a lot of the different senses that you took into consideration in changing that experience? Boy, great question. I think I, I have the images of the six, but I think the main point with the, the building block up on the chair that I was rotating around was um, – and I, I describe it this way sometimes. It's it's um, it's like what's three kitchen chairs and a blanket. Mm. And when you put your kids will play with just three kitchen chairs. They'll pull them out and they'll put a blanket over it, and then they crawl underneath and they're pretending that it's a spaceship or it's it's a castle or whatever their imagination. And it is just simply awesome. And literally, as parents, we have to grab them by the ankle and literally pull them out of their to be sure that they eat because they don't want to leave. Mm -hmm. And the magic to that is, is that is not three kitchen chairs and a blanket for that child. It's a castle. Yeah. It's a spaceship. And they put themselves in this adventure where they're the protagonist and they're, they're the hero in this journey. So that was the power that I think I brought with that presentation saying, how can we do that? Believe it or not in your big old scary MRI or CT room. And that I'm not exactly quite sure how to do it yet, but how can we do that so that they can't wait to go in? I know that sounds crazy, but they can't wait to go yeah. in. And actually things like sedation and workflow and some of the other stuff um, is going to be a byproduct of this. But just emotionally, how do we do that? And with that, we 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 thought as a team and working with those the kind of cross-functional team um, that I described earlier, um, we could put them in the center of of this adventure. And then from that, working with the kids and co-collaborating with them and doing sketches and mock-ups and models, we'll be able to figure out what that is. And then that's where, so they can tell us what, what is their adventure? What is, what is the three kitchen chairs and a, and a blanket for them? Mm -hmm. And then that, that's where, it, and then I think I showed the example, which actually was one of the first examples we did, which was for one of our, actually it was one of our nuke med scanners. So this is a table that they lay on. And there's these two large detectors. They look like big suitcases that slowly rotate around the child. And this is um, a fairly long exam. So it's about 30 minutes that they'd like the child or they need the child to, to hold still. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, in this modality, and that's the why I picked it, was the stinkiest problem, I called it, because they sedate them like 80% of the time. Oh, wow. So they, and then the struggles those parents have when their child gets sedated, you can imagine they put the mask on them and the child's eyes roll back. And you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I can almost bring myself to tears here, bringing myself back to watching these, the struggle families were going right. through. So what we did is we had, um, these rocks that were outside actually in the, so I just had a sketch that, you know, early on of these rocks that were in the, um, and these are just graphics that are on the floor, 3M graphics that, that look like stepping stone rocks mm -hmm. that are in the hallway that lead you into the room. So the child's kind of walking on these, these stones and, you know, looking back and going, mom, dad, you gotta be on the rocks, you know, cause the parents yeah. are just walking down <laughs> the, the middle of the hall. It's like, you know, so 
they're walking into the room and then we have, and then this actually turned into our first room. We have a waterfall on the back wall that, that goes down into a koi river that goes underneath the system. So there's the rocks that are on the edge. There's koi fish that are in the water along with some bubbles. And then the big table isn't a table anymore. It looks like a hollowed out canoe. And it, it's actually lowered down into the water. So it's in a lowered state when the, when the child gets, walks mm-hmm. in the room because they have to get on the table. Then it slowly rises up. And then that's the table that then goes through the scanner. Well, it feels like a canoe is moving through on the river. Yeah, moving down um, the water. Yeah. And then on the wall, we have graphics. We had graphics where we, we had kind of, it was almost like Where's Waldo. We had really cool our characters, whether it's a tiger and a toucan and some different that are kind of hiding. So a lot of times they'll even just, Ask the child, hey, we've been looking for the monkey all day and can't find it. And you can see the child. And then, you know, the technologist is looking way on the other end of the room, you know, yeah. and the child finds it and they're really excited. And, and, you know, so the, the whole environment is just, there's, um, we call it tickling all the senses. So there's a lot of times, I think in this one, we had this starlight. It's beautiful. It has this kind of, all the stars are reflecting off the ceiling and they're slightly moving around. Um, and then, there's the kind of canopy of some of the greenery in the room that hides the cabinets and some of the, the stuff that's a little bit scary. And then those two suitcases that are that will go around the the patient, we just put big fish on there. And then the technologist just says, hey, Bobby, if you hold really still, the fish may start jumping around out of the river and go around you. Yeah. Um, so you see the child, they, they're looking at their parents. Their parents are usually in the room with them, and they're just frozen, and they're looking <laughs> up. And sure enough, because it's the detector slowly right. kind of uh, 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 goes around the patient, and it looks like the fish are jumping out of the water around the wooden canoe that the that the, the child's in. But a lot of that is so subtle, but it makes a difference. Is If it's just a table, why are you lying down? Why are you moving? What You know what I mean right. as a child? Yeah. But if there's... If, have you been in a canoe before? Remember how important it is to stay still. And, you know, and then they, and you can see the, the technologist amps up the story because they're also the protagonists in the story. So they could be a ranger in Cozy Camp or in this jungle adventure, or they can be a pirate in the pirate adventure, or they can be a, a space station person in the, in the MRI space station. And then um, a lot of times we'll put in, um, it's kind of like a little aromatherapy um, unit that we try to not necessarily match with the adventure they're going through, but it helps to knock down the scent of, for example, um, we found out and just working with the kids that smell of alcohol when they rub oh, it on yeah. your hand before they give you an IV or something. Well, the, you know, your, your sense of smell is so powerful that when you smell that alcohol, then they remember the needle stick. Mm-hmm. So they, the tears just start to come. So we used aromatherapy and I think in a good example is, um, Actually, it was in in pirate adventure. So the scanner looks like a huge pirate ship, and you walk across in on a on a dock, and it's the, of course the ship's in water, so the floor is blue, and then you have a plank that you walk across. Is that we put a tiki hut in the back of all the cabinets, so it looked kind of like this, you know, this pirate kind of adventure. Yeah. And then we use the scent of pina colada in that room. <laughs> and the reason we did that is we just we thought it was funny, but it just kind of had that kind of a thing. But it takes the scent of, um, and you know, sometimes, um, unfortunately kids will, they might throw up or they might pee or there's mm-hmm. the scent of alcohol, anything like that, that we can, the odor remediation right. that we, unit that we had helps to do that. 
So we tried to, uh, you know, kind of tickle all the senses where you can imagine if you come in and there's this, there are these, um, you know, the lighting and of course the walls and the floor and the system, all these things are, have totally created this environment that is so unlike what you would see in a hospital. It's almost bizarre. Yeah. And that just gets everybody in this, almost like this giggling state in that a lot of the parents that come in, I know we did that in San Francisco, we did a cable car adventure, which is just off the charts. But anyway, the parents come in and they just go on, oh my gosh, I want to come here. I was just going to say, like, I feel like I want to do that now. <laughs> yeah, and I, just... for sure. And I think that hits that kind of what we're talking about here, that human-centered nature here. We're all human. Yeah. Especially a lot of times when we're sick and we're not feeling well, we di- digress a little bit into to doing that. And there's a comfort in some of this thing. And then a lot of the the natural parts we did, like, for example, in um, Pirate Adventure is a great example, is that we learned, and actually this was not from the folks we worked with at the Children's Museum, but just working with some of the psychologists and thinking about it. And they said, you know, the hospitals, and obviously in your scan environment, you have no windows. Well, a comfort for all humans, and especially for children, too, is the horizon line, so you don't feel like you're in the room. Mm. So in that one, we have a horizon line on the wall, so you see where the water meets the sky. Oh, cool. And then you have... You know, the, the, we have the other pirate ships that actually just look like our real scanners, but they look like pirate ships. And we have the different things. So when you come in, some of those, the, the subtleness, and that's what I think really hits, um, adults as well as kids is that you start to see some of those things that make you feel more comfortable. Yeah. And that could be whether it's the lighting and the scent and the visuals and leading you into the room in a special way. Um, putting you in more in control because you can imagine when um i mean this is kind of a good story you got me storytelling oh you wound me up so this is one where um lately what we've done is uh, our kind of adventure series 2.0 we have um some of the, we have an ipad in the waiting room because we found the waiting room experience for kids um is and for everybody right this is kind of that you know what do you do um yeah. so we had coloring books and things that the, the, the children can draw and color in, so they get to color in like the jungle adventure. They can see the characters and all that, and then when they go in the room, they can see it. We wanted to amp it up a notch, so we uh, we did a project with um, UCSF in San Francisco, so Benihoff Children's Hospital there uh, in Mission Bay, awesome facility. And we were working with the kids, and, and they kept talking about iPads, iPads, iPads. So we have an iPad app that actually creates, they can create a little bit of their adventure on the iPad, and then it's projected on the wall in the room. So, for example, in the cable car adventure, the big MRI scanner looks like a cable car. So there's a reason it's kind of clunky and noisy. Well, a cable car is clunky and noisy. Um, and it's a beautiful, I can describe what that room looks like. But in between two red, big redwood trees that are on the wall, we have a projector. Even in the MRI room, we can have a, a shielded projector that projects on the wall between the two trees. Sure. And then on that projection area of the wall the rest of the room has got the graphics like normal um the child can pick things like okay here's the hot air balloon that's going to go across the top and i want it to be striped with purple and pink Mm. and i want this character to be in the basket or i want biplanes to be flying around so they're creating this uh environment on the ipad just simple things super simple that they're picking and sometimes the the technologist picks it for them if they're really little as hey let's you know they're talking them through and they you just poke it a couple of times but that simple action of creating that environment, 
I saw this little boy and he, he, he like runs up to the, the desk kind of where the, you know, the, not the receptionist, but the technologist is. And he's like pulling himself up, you know, and he's looking and he goes, is it my turn yet? Oh. And the technologist goes, no, we're still, has somebody else's in there. It'll be soon. And then they run back and to their parents sitting there in there and he's waiting and he's looking at his iPad and he runs back up. And then I'm thinking to myself, am I seeing this correctly? Right. This is a child that can't wait to go in for his MRI scan. Yeah. The chances of him wanting to be sedated to go in there is zero. Yeah. There is no way that he wants to go in and he wants to see his room. Yeah. He wants to see what he's created. So even though it's just a simple hot air balloon that's going across the the wall or he's seeing the, the boat that he created or we have um, – we have another room in San Francisco where there's the Golden Gate Bridge that goes across, and it's a, it's the, kind of the marina room where the, the, the MRI scanner looks like a ship, a boat. And then on the big Golden Gate Bridge, you can pick what vehicle you want to have going across. Like it's mm. a big truck. Well, what do you want to have on the truck? Do you want a beach ball? Or a, you know? mm -hmm. So they're, they're picking these just simple options, and then that's what shows on the room when they go in. And they just can't wait to go in there to see it's their room. Yeah. It's not GE's room. It's not... Bennyhoff Children's Room, it's their room. They created that room and they picked the lighting and they picked the music and then they picked this, the scene that's projected on the wall. And then they go in and they can see this cable car and they can see the, and they get a little ticket to go on the cable car ride. And there's this whole experience that's built around this. And a little bit of that came just to kind of almost back up half a, half a gear is, um, along with getting in those folks like the, the Children's Museum and the, and the Child Life Specialists and, and those kind of things, we actually looked at, we call that alien eyes, but really it was more thinking about what kind of um, experience or businesses just knock it out of the park when it comes to things like, let's say, experience. So we thought it's got to be Disney. So through contacting and talking to a bunch of people, actually ended up being one of the child, the manager of Child Life Specialists in San Francisco, had a friend that worked at Disney in LA and we and we thought hey at one of these brainstorming workshops we want to have somebody from Disney there to help us. Yeah. So I remember calling up Bruce at Disney and just seeing if if he was the right mix number one would he come and is he the right mix for this workshop you want to be sure you have the right people there. And I remember talking to him and he's like and I'm like so Bruce what you working on and he goes magical snow <laughs> and I was like uh okay, could you tell me more? And he goes, I can't tell you the name of the movie, which actually ended up being Frozen. Oh my and he gosh. said, this is pre-release pre of Frozen, and he goes, um, we have a magical, or we have a really awesome snowman, and with this snowman, there is no way we can have regular snow. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I need this dude. <laughs> yeah, like this is the right guy. <laughs> Desperately. And we said, we'll pay your way. We'll do this. And anyway, and it was just actually, I think we ended up and it was a, it was a three day workshop working with the staff at, at, at UCFS. I'm doing UCFF. I'm doing their room. So this is the, the, the one where it was the cable car and that. And so he came and worked with us for those three days. And, you know, he talked to us a lot about just the essence of like a Disney or, or even a universal or Disney, um, experience at their theme park versus their movies is just like you know if you took the disney out of it i remember him saying and and eric kemper one of our, our awesome guys that uh, works with us on adventure series brilliant designer you know says this all the time is if 
if you take the Disney out of like one of their theme parks, it's like this overcrowded parking lot where you're probably going to lose your car. You got to wait in line to get the super, super expensive ticket. There's all kinds of clacking and noises and people are screaming. And I mean, if you took the Disney out of it, you would never right, go. Yeah, it would just, you know, yeah. and then, but you put the Disney in of how they craft the experience of even, okay, I'm in the goofy parking lot and I get on this cool little thing, tram that takes, you know, the, every moment I'm waiting in line and I'm not just waiting in line. There's an experience of waiting in line. And when I get out of the ride and I come into the store and I can, you know what I mean? It's just like every element along the way, they've crafted the experience. And then having Bruce as part of Disney in, in that with us was so powerful, uh, bringing in the alien eyes to help us, you know, Bruce working on the frozen, the animation of snow, magical snow for, for the frozen movie and having him come and work on a very technical, experience with radiology equipment is a bit crazy, but that's how you're going to get past that first idea that's just doing its job into something that's really, really um, makes that child want to go in to the room because it's their experience. It's such a great point. And uh, I never thought of that before, but you're completely right in terms of that, the experience with, with something like that. And when you just take certain things out, how much it changes or when you put, put certain things in um, really quick, you talked a couple of times about the technician or the technologist in the rooms with the kids while they're doing these scans. What was the reaction? I know you mentioned this in your talk, but what was the reaction you saw from them in how it changed their experience? Boy, that's a great question. And thank you for asking that because I think that's really powerful. Um, I mean, I was probably overly um, myopic in my thinking or my focused thinking of the kids and the family for sure. And I, you know, my point of view was that it's just getting these struggling family through this experience and how could we, you know, turn that into totally influence the car, the car, you know, the, the conversation of the car ride on the way home. And I have to do something pretty special that they're talking about the experience on the car ride home versus I never want to go to the hospital ever yeah. again. And that, and, and, but it just happened as, first of all, working with the technologists, understanding some of their challenges for sure. And probably the story that hit me the most powerful was we did, um, this was at, this was in Pittsburgh again. So this was UPMC, the children's hospital there. And we did uh, the, one of the first uh, cozy camp rooms there. So this room has, um, so when you walk in, it has a really large scanner. So it's one of our CT nuke med systems. So it's a, um, a, a nuke, nuke your medicine machine and a CT together. So this gantry is big. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we thought about and working with kids and, and, and just thinking about where is that kind of calming? And there's, you know, so this part about being in a park and nature and this. So we made this, we made the, the, the gantry itself is into a big tent. And then the bed itself looks like a sleeping bag and you lay on the sleeping bag and it goes up and then you go inside the tent. And the technologist's window is actually looks like one of those old school campers so that they can tell the child, hey, you get to go in the tent and I get to go into my camper. And the, and in that one, the characters are sitting around a fire cooking marshmallows and we have the scent of, um, wintergreen kind of in there. It's like pine scent. And then there's a thousand stars again on the ceiling just moving around. And the walls are this kind of deep muted purple, kind of the sunset feel, you know, that relaxing sitting around the fire feel. It's amazing. Well, this, what happened was the technologists um, at the adult hospital, this is a very advanced piece of machinery. And um, they had a study going and they, they needed to use the protocol in this new, the, the pediatric um, cozy camp. 
and they can't, they couldn't just send their patients there and have the, the, the children's, the pediatric technologists just to keep the, the study consistent. The technologists came over and the patients came over from the adult hospital to go through cozy camp. So first of all, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this, you know, this was totally done for kids. I don't right. know how this is. Well, you can imagine camping in this whole environment is just, it's like, Adults just love it. Yeah. Well, what happened is I got a call from Kathleen Capson again, the director of pediatric radiology. And I think her message to me is, I want to talk to you. I'm mad at you. I'm going, oh, Uh-oh. no. I'm thinking, are the graphics peeling off the wall? What's going on? And she goes, this is what happened. We had our adult technologists, um, I'm sorry, technologists from our adult hospital that came over with the adult patients to go through cozy camp. And all of the technologists, I guess every single one of them, put into transfer to come work at the pediatric hospital wow, really? and, and that. And the reason for that, I think, is is that, and just talking with them, but this is a bit of speculation on my t- my part as well, is that there's a reason why these technologists um, got into healthcare. And there's a reason that they, they really want to be helpful to, to, to people and to that kind of patient contact. And in radiology, for sure, we got a big piece of equipment. We have some pretty sophisticated software. Um, and user interface and protocols and things that they need to, to put up. And some of that can get in the way of the time they spend with the families and with the patients, which is why they really got into healthcare. Sure, yeah. So I think through Adventure Series, this has really allowed those technologists that have, that, that use equipment every day and that productivity is important, but also their connection and getting a good scan and helping the families because they don't know, um, you know, they know what the scan is, is is kind of for, you know, the protocol that they're going to use, but they're not sure the total patient story is this child, is it oncology? Are they trying to find, you know, cancer? There's, there's, you know, we're just one step in the, in the, the big picture. And these technologists are trying as hard as they can to, to help these people. Yeah. And I think through adventure series or through patient experience, that human centered design nature of this is focusing on human values allows them to focus on human values. And that is just such a powerful thing is that then when they're driving home from their work, hopefully they have a little smile on their face and they feel like they've really done an awesome job. And then the family that's driving home from this experience is just going to share this around the soccer field or at the PTA meeting or whatever is that, oh my gosh, there was a respect around healthcare that we didn't anticipate whatsoever. And this is this is a great way. And if your child needs to get a scan for whatever, you got to go to this hospital because you got to go to Adventure Series. Of course, I mean, yeah, that experience it, it proliferates into a lot of different areas socially and people's perceptions of what it means to go to the doctor for sure. So how how many of these Adventure Series rooms are now installed? Um, I'm not a super numbers guy, as maybe you can tell. <laughs> sure. Um, there's, there's way people smarter than me that do that, but I know generally speaking. So we probably were getting near up, to, we're getting close to, um, a hundred installations. So a hundred rooms, which is so exciting for me. Yeah. I think we need to have like a great party, um, for that. <laughs> and then we're finding in the number of, of institutions, whether it's clinics or hospitals that we put this into is probably, uh, in the, the 30 or 40 range or something, because a lot of hospitals um, would like to do multiple rooms. And that makes total sense. Right. Because you can imagine if, let's say, you have a x-ray room that's um, 
you know, that, that that's like some crazy, you know, really cool experience. And then next to it, there's nothing. It's just like it's the stark reality is even worse than it was without anything. Um, and so I think a lot of hospitals see that. And sometimes they'll get like one or two rooms and then they come back to us and say, no, we got to do the whole thing. And what could you do in the waiting room? What could you do in the prep room? Mm-hmm. And then they say we can expand almost like ripples in the pond. You know, you throw the stone in and that's adventure series in the room. But how does that expand out in the waiting room in a hallway? And we have some really cool stuff we have um, that we're, we're thinking about for the for the, one of our next installs where we want to have the experience for the child, whether it's on the iPad or the coloring books in the waiting room. But there's a secret to it. For example, think if they're going to go to we have a coral, um, a coral city where the table looks like a yellow submarine with bubbles on the floor. And then the system looks like this this kind of purple coral reef and there's fish everywhere. And then you go up in the submarine ride to go in. But what if we take the angelfish and we put the halo around one of the angelfish? And then through the coloring book or the iPad, we we introduce that, the, hey, if you, when you follow the angelfish, it will take you to your room, mm. to, to your adventure. But the parents don't know about it. Ah. So now you have the little child popping up. And going, okay, and then, you know, it's always take a left turn and a right turn, and, you know, this all the way, you know, from the waiting room to, to where you're going to go. It's usually sometimes in some of these hospitals, it's crazy. Well, the child is just, like, bouncing along, finding the way, and the parents <laughs> are going, what is going on here? And, of course, the, the, the technologist who usually comes and gets the family, they, they're playing along as they just right. stand behind the parents, and they're like, I don't. And then, the, of course, the child comes right, and then we usually decorate the the door up really cool. And then of course it opens up and it reveals this awesome um, submarine ride that they get to go on. And then again, who's in charge? Yeah, absolutely. The kid. It's the, it's yeah. And then who, so that's three kitchen chairs and a blanket. Yeah, who's yeah, in charge? Yeah. You're in charge of your adventure. You're in charge of this. So there's just some subtleness like that, that, that to link in. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I might have riffed off your question there a little bit no, too, no, too that's, far. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, all of these examples are very interesting to hear about, uh, and I'm sure there's a, a thousand more. So, um, and I know you mentioned, you know, a, and I mean, exactly to the story you just told, there's a lot of stuff you can't measure, but just in trying to give our listeners an idea of some of the tangible impacts. I mean, so you talked about, about how many rooms are installed, um, Talk about maybe the the impact on the patient turnaround in terms of getting getting people in. That's a great question because I know out, outcomes or impacts for sure is is something that, especially in the business world, and I understand it where somebody goes, okay, that's really nice. Well, so what? So the so what that that I can share with you is some of the outcomes and impacts are directly measured from the hospital, and I think that's so important for me is and for our team is that. These aren't things that GE we've measured and that we're using to sell. These are measurements that came directly uh, from the hospital. So they're measuring these things themselves. So they've benchmarked before Adventure Series, and then they've uh, re-measured these things after Adventure Series, some of the things that they they have done. And there's some impacts that are just really um, just very meaningful to me. And I think, you know, I've mentioned it in a lot of my stories, just the to having to sedate a child to, to get an exam was just something that, you know, that shocked me and that some of the modalities where it was, you know, uppers of 80%, um, they've reduced sedate, sedation in almost all of these modalities significantly, especially in the modalities where the child has to hold still for yeah. a, an extended period of time for a child. So if it's 20 or 30 minutes, um, they, 
they would have to sedate the child. And through this adventure and the way that, of crafting this, they reduce that sedation significantly. And then in some of the modalities, like x-ray is a good example, where you come in and it's almost like the digital camera on your phone. You hold your wrist or whatever, and, the, and then they take a, a you know an image like in, a, in an instant. Well, they don't sedate the children as much in those. So we still theme the room, but you know you can see sedation is not. But they've had significant reduction in um, sedation. I remember the actually the story that I shared at the beginning with the jungle adventure where you come in on the rocks and it's the hollowed out canoe and the fish are going around you. They sedate in that 80% of the time. They sedate the kids sometimes even 90 between three and eight years old. And I had I had a conversation. It was probably two or three years, or probably two years after the installation with the team there, and they said, "Yeah, prior to Adventure Series, we had, you know we were like probably 85% that we sedated, and we've only sedated like two people in the last like year and a half." Yeah, yeah. So they've just significantly reduced that. And then also um, we've gotten uh, reports from numerous um, facilities that they've, you know, you can kind of put this in the workflow, improve their workflow. But they've um, reduced they've reduced the patient backlog um, from 16 days to zero in some instances. I know I think that was again at Pittsburgh where they measured they did a lot of measurement there. So you can imagine if you've got a 16 day backlog for your children, if it's you know you want to scan their ankle or whatever, that's a long time. Or you're going to look somewhere else to go. So through this improved workflow of just and actually my hypothesis was totally wrong here. Is that I thought, though I thought I was I was willing to take on this burden, but I thought the child's going to be so excited they're going to come in they're going to you know where's Waldo where's the characters on the wall they're going to want to name the character they want to hug them all that kind of stuff and and they want to take a picture with them afterwards and they want to you know all that kind of stuff and they want to do all of that, but what it did is it it got them past the threshold I think the technologists called it this is when the traditionally when the family comes in they see that scary piece of equipment and the tears start to come. And they don't want to have their child sedated. There's this getting them past the threshold of laying up on the table and holding still takes forever. Mm. And that's where this workflow just went off the charts. Is the, So you can imagine little boys, and they give them a little felt pirate hat, and they're going on a pirate adventure, and they're running down the hall, and they get to go across this the water on a bridge and then actually walk a plank to go onto a pirate ship. <laughs> they're sprinting down the yeah. hall. They're up, <laughs> scan me now. Uh, you know, scan right, me now. Right. <laughs> um, so they've had, so going from 16 days to zero is crazy. And then, they, and you can just tell, I think, that the, the, when they measure the patient satisfaction, which is huge in hospitals now, in fact, some yeah, of the reimbursement yeah. is actually linked to patient satisfaction. So there's also a monetary thing that goes with that. This has just gone off the charts. And a lot of that is, um, just respecting people. And I think when you respect people, whether it's a return policy at a online store or whatever, when you treat people respectfully and, and kind of on their terms, um, your satisfaction is going to go way up. And I think we hit the heart of this, of really getting to that, you know, medium where they are. We know they're struggling. We know their child's struggling. We don't know all the details here, but we're here to help you to get through this. Well, they're going to be satisfied with that, and they're going to want to come back to your facility. They're going to tell their neighbors whatever about this. And I think part of that is just it's just purely around being graceful and respectful around this situation. Definitely. 
One thing you also said in your talk was if you're not having fun, it's half your fault. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Oh, that's funny. And actually, I think our chief designer, Murph, um, he just retired. Awesome guy. Um, probably the best designer I've ever met. Um, super guy. And that's something that, that he would say. And I would say all the time too. And, and really, I think, I think part of that is if you're waiting for things to improve, you're waiting for someone in your organization up high to figure some things out to make it better for you or to do this. If you're, if you're waiting around for, someone to invite you to the party or whatever, is that if you're not having fun, it is half your fault. You need to lean into some of this stuff. If you want to change some things, you, and you can see with my story, I didn't have permission to do it. Right, yeah. But, but to, but, so I could have easily have said, okay, it, this isn't fun. And, you know, so I wanted to have fun. So um, I leaned into it. So I think half of that is just your perception and your what you're bringing to the party and empowering yourself to do some of these things. I know a lot of times we have, whether it's in our GE values or some of the other things, you know, take risk and, and, you know, customers determine some of our success. And really this message is that's not rhetoric. Turn that into something. Yeah. And yeah. if you're waiting for somebody else to turn into something that you can then jump on the bandwagon, no, you do the bandwagon. You're the one that has to do this. So if you're not having fun, it is half your fault. And if you're not, happy with what you're doing at work, it's half your fault. If you know, I can go on and on and on here is it's just kind of that self empowerment of, and I think even led with this is, you know, you really have to truly fall in love with the, the people that you design for. Yeah. And you can say your customer, but your customer's customer, you know, in our industry in healthcare, you know, it's probably a CFO that maybe is looking at the spec sheets of some of this equipment to pick which unit that they, you know, which units they want to pick. It's the radiologist that's looking at the quality of the images. It's the technologist that we've been talking about a lot that's actually using the equipment. So that when you cascades down, then you have the patient at the end. And I think sometimes we don't lean all the way down into that. So a lot of the internal folks, your customer might be internal to GE. If you're in legal, maybe your, your customer is your marketing team, whatever. So I think a lot of that is, is, is leaning into the empowerment of, of understanding the empathy, the needs and desires of those, whoever that is, and then rallying around that to move it forward. I think that is your responsibility, and that's kind of the essence to if you're not having fun, it's at least half your fault, is that if the world's going to change, you can you can be that, that Bunsen burner to get the, the, the heat going to make it change. And and that's not limited either to people who are designers, right? I mean, we can, like you said, no matter what your role might be inside of the organization or even just as we're talking to our families, our friends, people we don't know, but maybe we're, you know, interacting with somebody. I mean, that concept of the empathy and humanizing our experiences, not just making things so transactional, I think at the end of the day, that's really what is making this impact here. That is a great point. And I know I probably use the word designer so much in this talk, but we're all designers. And I know I, I coach out at Stanford at their D school where they, they, they go through the design thinking process with part of their exec ed training. And I, so very rarely are there designers in there to marketing and engineering and different leaders of different kinds out there at Stanford. And 
it's really it's a it's it's more about the idea. So if you want to think of the design of the idea, and those ideas come from this cross-functional mix of all of our experiences and our backgrounds and everything to move that forward. And I think we're all designers. There might be folks like myself that are trained in design that maybe can put the finesse and the final tweaks to what it is. But the essence of the idea and some of that can come from anybody. So that that needs to to be something too, where you know, especially I think sometimes there's that that kind of People in their minds think of design as art and design as, you know, being able to sketch and do some of that, that work. And that is definitely part of it. But if you think of design as coming up with really awesome ideas um, around whatever the challenges are with that human centered nature of focusing in the discovery phase, of the beginning of understanding what those needs and designers are of your user, your customer, the person you're designing for. And then those ideas, and I've seen so many come from such diverse places. And a lot of times I like to say, you know, you have this one idea. I'm holding my hand up. We have this one idea over here that comes from somebody. And there's that yes and uh, of accepting and adding on that building. So then my other hand is up. And then here's another idea. So you have these two ideas that kind of are linked together. It's that intersection of those ideas, that creative intersection is where probably the magic lies. And I think... In order to get to that intersection where the, that really creative idea lies, you need to have that first idea come out from wherever, and that it's built on by that second idea or third idea or fourth idea, and then the intersection of those ideas is where the special is going to be. And it's not going to come from just pure designers working with designers coming up. It has to come from this cross-functional nature of everybody's inputs to that, for sure. Yeah. This is awesome. I'm so glad that you kind of gave us some insider looks into the process and the experience as as this project went along, really. I will definitely link to the TED Talk in the episode description in the show notes here. So if anybody listening has not seen that, you can definitely look at it there. And uh, I think there's another video, too, that kind of shows some of the sketches and even some photos, I think, from when you were sitting in that classroom with the kids. So I'll I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll share that, too, so people can kind of see. Um, I mean, is there anything else that you would say about this, Doug? Boy, you know, the thing I think, and I talked about a little bit with, the adventure series 2.0 um, is I think even, you know, the success of this particular project, um, I, I'm not feeling that comfortable with it. I always want to have that une uneasiness that we can even make it better and we can ex expand it more. And I know we've been thinking a lot about women's health care. There's some really powerful things that we can do in the patient experience around women's health care. There's also the experience around the VA and veterans in the in the veterans um, hospitals is that their experience is, is a lot different than the, just your normal um, hospital if there is that or there's regional regional things whether healthcare is different in different parts of the world and yeah. different parts of even the U.S. So I think even though I am excited about Adventure Series and it's done some pretty cool things and I'm super excited for the community communities they serve. However, I just think there's so much more that we can do around so many other different areas where I think we've just said, you know, that's the way that it has to be and you just have to put up with it. And the answer to that is no, it does not. And how do we take kind of this approach of using design thinking and kind of this, this cross-functional nature? And for us in, in GE, for sure, I think of back, you know, our founder, Edison, you know, he had like 10 or 12 people together. They were from all these diverse different groups working on the 
the challenges of the day, whether it's electricity and phones and light lighting and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he was an entrepreneur and he had this, you know, this nature of making things better and just, you know, it's just crazy. We need to have that spirit now, even though we're a large organization. There are people that are listening that are from even larger organizations than probably GE Healthcare um, or GE that um, we can move this forward. But I think part of that really is looking for those opportunities and having your, your antenna, your radar up at all times to say, you know, that's not very optimum. And what can we do around that? And for people to look within their businesses and really getting out there and, you know, spending time, like for me, you know, spending time in the hospital, spending time wherever you need to do, going along on a service call, whatever it is to get to that true empathy of what's out there and then using that to stoke your project. I can only imagine all the different areas where we can make this world a better place. Right. Yep. I hadn't thought about a lot of those other applications. So I am definitely excited to see where you guys can take this concept to go forward and improve a lot of other experiences too. And then, you know, I would just say going back to how, how anybody can use this in just encouraging anybody listening to this, you know, thinking about our experiences in our life. And if you are, standing in line at the coffee shop and somebody's, you know, somebody's in a in a rush or something and you need to there's something you can do to help them out just looking for those opportunities, right? And just thinking how the experience our our very human experiences and everything that we can do can be improved. I totally agree. And yeah, even even the the fact of I I love that is just looking for all those opportunities to, to, to help and to make somebody else's life easier. But also there's a little twist to that in business of asking for help yourself. And I think a lot of times in business and folks in organizations see that as a weakness. And I know uh, within G Healthcare, we have design thinking. We call it Menlo after Menlo Park, after Edison, a design thinking boot camps and different projects that we do. And I think a huge part of that is just being written kind of that graceful truth that you, you bring to that, but um, making it where the team can be support and trust each other so they can ask for help and help when needed. Cause I think a lot of times in business that doesn't show up that way, but if you can set up that environment where no, when you, when you need help or whatever, and then also you're willing to give that help. So you're looking both ways. It's kind of a push and a pull kind of a thing. And I've seen, teams for sure that come through we call it cultivating team genius when they come through and get to that point where that trust and support gets to a new level then some of these things it's amazing where teams can go so i totally agree with you on that oh, that's, a, that's that's a great point too you know you're not you're not really able to make as much impact if you haven't break it, broken that barrier first so yeah well Thank you so much, Doug. This has been really great. Like I said before, I've loved hearing all these stories. I hope our listeners did too. If they didn't, then it's half their fault. I'm just going to say that. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so thank you again. Is there anything else you want to say before we close? Boy, I, I don't know. I think, first of all, oh my gosh, did this time go fast? Just being <laughs> storytelling. Really the power of that story too is making it so that then people want to share it. So share your successes, maybe share some of your failures. Um, hopefully we've jogged people a little bit and that they are able to then go back to their workplace or a challenge they have at home or in their community and they can think about it a little bit different way. And then not having to be the expert in just being, I think, humble and saying, 
how can I collect a team around that can help solve this problem way, way better than I could myself? And then it's our solution versus like one person's solution. Right. So for example, Adventure Series, I know my name gets linked to it quite a bit, but I'm so, and you, hopefully it came through in the, the conversation is I'm so proud of this crazy team that came through and made this actually happen. Um, so I think that that can help too is just, boy, pull all those people together and see where you can go. Right. I mean, that humility, I think, is so huge because for you to have come and said, I put all my sweat into this into this product and I thought it was amazing and I was so excited, you know, I thought I had it made and then realized that you missed such this huge part of it um, and being able to admit that and then say, hey, I need to I, – I missed the mark and I want to try to change that. I mean, even that alone I think is so important – for our human experience and, uh, and like you said, the collaboration. So awesome. Thank you so much, Doug. Again, looking forward to seeing what else you guys do in the future and, uh, we'll, we'll try to keep up with you. Well, thank you for spending time with me. Um, it was, it was really a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.